0: You are listening to episode 5 of the Homegrown Farmhouse. Today's episode is going to be all about ways that you can declutter your home and life to live a little bit more of a minimal lifestyle. Hey there, I'm Laura, the voice and face behind Laura Stewart blog and YouTube channel. We are a family of three learning how to homestead on our eight-acre farm in the heart of Texas. Follow along as we share our journeys in homesteading, farmhouse restoration, cooking from scratch, sheep raising, and so much more. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. So as you heard in the intro, today is going to be all about how to Get rid of clutter and minimalize your life and your home. Um, This is something that I have been working on pretty much since we moved to the farmhouse. I think it was the shock and the eye-opening fact of just exactly how much stuff that we had. Packing up and moving and trying to find places for all of those items and possessions in an older home that had very limited and minimal closet space and storage. So through that process it became overly apparent that we had just an abundance of possessions and items that were completely unnecessary and kind of the way that I figured that out or the way that I started to think about it was so much of those things were in boxes and packed in storage and in the attic and in the garage and I think that It's kind of the way that society and maybe even the way that we were raised says to live your life. And that includes clothes and shoes and books and makeup and toys and, you know, the list goes on and I'm going to share kind of how I got rid of a lot of that along the way here in the podcast. But it's just been like I said, a process since we moved in. So kind of what I started with was just completely unnecessary items. So paperwork that we didn't need, remotes that we no longer had the electronics for, wiring that no longer served a purpose or that we didn't know what it went to, old magazines, books that have been piling up, those types of things, you know, that you maybe even don't realize. As as silly as it sounds, expired foods, um, things that are in the door of your fridge that you never touch, cookware, and items in the kitchen that are never used, that you think that you'll use one day and you never use. I think the hardest part for me initially was removing the sentimentality to certain items. That's not to say that I don't keep items in the home or that I don't store items that are have sentimental value. Mainly a few things from my childhood and my husband's childhood and then of course along the way with my daughter. I'm saving things that if she looks back and says I wish that I had this item that I'm keeping. And obviously the more kids that you have and the more limited space that you might have, you might be limited on what you can keep. For me, it's things like her blanket, her first outfit that she wore. um, Because we live on a farm and my husband is pretty, I'd say country western cowboy, her first pair of boots. Those types of things, pictures, gifts from when she was born, all of those things within reason I have kept for her. It's very difficult for her, and I think that part of it is a maturity and an age thing, to go through her room and get rid of items. I do that a lot when she's at school, but I try to include her in the process. It's ironic that both she and my husband are people who like to... Accumulate possessions and like to keep possessions on that what if I need it one day mentality, which is exactly where I was before I started this process. And what they what neither of them have realized, and what has dawned on me through this process is they both function, and myself included, so much better without the chaos and the clutter. When I clean my daughter's room and organize it and get rid of the chaos and the clutter that exists within there, she spends hours where normally she'll go in and grab whatever it is she wants to play with and come out. And that's because it's too overstimulating in there for her. I'll go into this later and it, you know it's very different for each person, but my daughter um, has very minimal sensory processing disorder and that again is another podcast I say that often but there's always so much information to cover in the topics that I'm talking about. So for her to be overstimulated is a big deal and sometimes she doesn't even realize that that's what the problem is or that's why she's feeling a certain way. I have minimalized her room as best I can without removing too much. And again, that that definition is going to be different for everybody. My daughter loves to read and she loves to produce art. So I definitely wanted to keep her craft items and her books to read. I do occasionally, excuse me, go in there and remove the books that I feel like are too young for her. Again, I keep certain books that I know that she's Loved and that she's read over and over again since she's learned to read. And I'll put those in her keepsake box because it doesn't take up a whole lot of space. Obviously, you still accumulate items over time. So she gets new books at the book fair and for her birthday, and she'll save money and go to the library when they have book sales. So she's always accumulating. The other thing that we've kept is her dolls and her babies because that's something that... I know that she'll eventually grow out of that I <clears throat> excuse me that I didn't want to take away from that part of her childhood however every parent can vouch for this between birthdays and hand-me-downs and Christmas and unfortunately fast food happy meals <laughs> you just accumulate so much stuff and looking back at my childhood I had, you know, a couple of board games. I think when I was a little bit older, my parents finally splurged for the original Nintendo. I had a bike, maybe a few Barbies, and a stuffed animal or two. And I don't ever feel like I missed out on anything. And while I realize our children live in a completely different world than what we grew up in, I think we almost overstimulate our children with just too much stuff. And I think... Most of us will agree that a lot of the children that we know are our own included have boxes and boxes and storage walls in either their bedroom or their playroom with just an abundance of stuff. And they'll go in and dump the box to find one item they want to play with. Typically, they'll play with it for two minutes, and then they'll lose interest in that item. Meanwhile, you've got a mom who's running a house, potentially working full time, That's constantly going in and picking up and organizing that mess just so you can vacuum the floor. That being said, those objects are costing you not only time, but ultimately money. Um, And in a lot of cases, your sanity and your kids' sanity. And it may not be an obvious thing right off the bat, but as I've started to get rid of these items, it's almost become, I don't wanna say an addiction, but it feels so freeing. It has cut down on my cleaning time exponentially. It has definitely made me look at how I spend money and what I spend money on and purchasing things that are completely frivolous. Um, The other thing that I started with in addition to um, the basics that you can toss, donate, sell, whatever, and my daughter's room is my clothing. Um, I I follow a lot of bloggers, fashion bloggers, um, women that share that part of their lives and for the longest time I got wrapped up in it not necessarily because I felt like I had to be a part of that but because I truly support my friends I truly love how they look in certain clothes it's something that I've always loved playing dress up and makeup and it's quite honestly the only girly thing about me if I'm being truthful but what I noticed was I was buying items that Maybe we're in style at the time and not something that I would call timeless. So I would get to wear it for a season, maybe two seasons after spending all of that money on it, and then it would remain in my closet. Not only costing me time, not only costing me money, not only costing me space, but costing me mental stress because going into your closet, again, women can vouch for this, trying to find something to wear is a challenge now imagine only keeping pieces that would be considered timeless such as solid color tops and denim button-ups things like that that pretty much never go out of style jeans um, boots flip-flops for the summer those are the things that you find yourself and if you're truthful with yourself that you wear over and over and over again Absolutely, you have outfits that you keep for that special occasion. But when I started going through my closet, what I realized was I had bought an outfit for pretty a new outfit for pretty much every special occasion for the last 5 years. So, for every wedding I had attended, I had purchased a new dress and potentially new shoes. For every unfortunate funeral we had to go to, Um, I purchased a new dress or new pants. And occasionally those purchases were necessary because of size changes. Um, Mama loves her sweets and cookies. (laughs) But more than anything, it was for two reasons. One, because I felt like I had nothing in my closet and it was too overwhelming to find. And two, I was purchasing items that were particularly in style that year or that season so you can see how that cost and that space quickly fills up and accumulates in your life i probably had three pairs of black booties and three pairs of tan booties and five different versions of black flip-flops and in all honesty it's just not necessary obviously different lifestyles are going to require different amounts different styles different types of clothing So the things that I'm going over are not going to fit every lifestyle, every budget, every family. I'm only sharing what has worked here at the farm. The other things that I started to get rid of were certain decor items that we no longer needed. Um, Obviously, you can go through junk drawers and your makeup. And most people have a garage or a storage building or a shop. And if you start to add up, again, it's hard to think about it in this term, but if you start to add up the hours and space and time and even money that you spend on those items, you can start to get a general idea of just what it's costing you to keep that item. I mentioned being able to remove sentimentality and that being difficult. A lot of times it's, you know, three different sets of dishes that were handed down from your grandparents or your aunt, or you had a grandmother that collected glass figurines that you truthfully don't necessarily care about other than the fact that when you look at them, you think of your grandmother. And it's very hard to remove that. And I'm not telling you to get rid of everything that was given to you. I'm just telling you that chances are those three different sets of dishes your children more than likely won't want. And if you've stored it and it's taken up space and you've moved it when you moved three different times, is it really worth what it's costing you? And that's something that you have to ask yourself. And the other hard reality for people, you know, like I said, I mentioned sentimentality is money. When you look at an item and you think about what you spent to purchase it, it's very hard to get rid of and something that we often tell ourselves is I'm going to hold a garage sale. I'll list it on the marketplace. Surely there's somebody in my family that wants this. You look at it and you make that acknowledgement and you set it down and how long does that item still remain in your house, in your possession, taking up space? Truthfully, because I was guilty of doing the same. Um, It was also very difficult for me, specifically in decor items, being a blogger. Initially, when I started my blog, pretty much that's all it was about was decor. And I felt like I needed to constantly rearrange, constantly update, constantly bring new content. And what happened in the process was I was buying unnecessary items, spending money that I didn't particularly have to spend at the time, thinking that That purchase will eventually turn into money because I'm making money on the blog. And that just wasn't the truth. And like I said, it was costing more than what it was benefiting me. So I did open an antique booth. And that was one way for me to feel like I gained something back from those purchases. Typically, I didn't sell it for what I paid for it. But I at least felt like I wasn't at a complete loss so if you're somebody who's definitely going to hold that garage sale next weekend or if you're somebody who's definitely going to open an antique booth and take those items in then absolutely hang on to them because if you can make money back it's definitely worth it same thing on the Facebook marketplace many people sell their furniture Um, oftentimes I will sell a piece of furniture that I have just grown to have distaste for or not like, before I've even found a replacement. Typically I'll take the money from the sale of that piece and either use it to pay cash for another or at least pay partly cash for another piece. You'll notice in my blog, pretty much everything that I own is secondhand or antique. So I buy off the marketplace often. I buy at estate and garage sales often. But that allows me to spend less money, knowing that potentially when I get that item in my home, I'm gonna feel like it's too much clutter or it doesn't fit. That's where you kind of have to remove the guilt, but also where you have to be more intentional. I mentioned my blog and blogging about decor. I would like an item, buy it, bring it home, and it would just take up space. But because of how much I loved that particular item, It was often difficult for me to sell it or let go of it. I love utilitarian pieces. I love old wood pieces. Um, I have a very weird thing about chairs and bowls. I don't know why, but it's who I am. And I had to get that in check. I had to narrow down what type of bowls I wanted to keep. And it got out of hand. Um, My chair collection got out of hand. We're a family of three, We do occasionally host Thanksgiving, Easter, or Christmas, sometimes all of those for years in a row, so I do need to have tables and chairs, but I had those things in my life taking up space for three days out of the year, and that just doesn't make sense, and so what I did was I sold quite a few items, and then I purchased card tables and folding chairs. They take up minimal space. They last forever Throw a tablecloth over them and they become fancy. And honestly, the guests don't care that they're sitting at a card table because they sit down to eat and then everybody's back up and visiting. And we do have a large family. So that's something else that I mentioned, um, kitchen items. I had bought sets of bowls, cups, plates um, in white because it was simple for me. Very minimal, not cluttered. But again, we're a family of three. So I had 12 coffee mugs, 12 salad plates, 12 dinner plates, 12 bowls, 12 small bowls. And putting those in my cabinet, and if you've seen my my kitchen, pictures of my kitchen online, I got nothing. There's like, oh, three and a half cabinets, and that's about it. And the way the kitchen is set up, it just makes it difficult to store anything. Those are the items that... You have to draw a line again as to what's important for you. When we host those family events, we absolutely, while it's not quote unquote eco friendly, we absolutely use paper bowls, paper plates, plastic servingware, and um, disposable cups. It just makes it easier. It's less of a mess. I mentioned we have a huge family. If I provided actual dishware and servingware for every person here, I think it would take me a year and a half to finish the dishes between cooking and of course I'm being sarcastic and overly dramatic um and if you know me in real life that's truthfully who I am but I just was storing so much in my kitchen that we didn't use however um, my daughter and my husband are very much the quintessential bowl in a china shop. So plates get broken, bowls get chipped um, that make them no longer safe. So I do keep a backup of those items um, just because I do have a small storage space in a pie safe to keep them. That means that I'm not purchasing additional flatware to replace or I'm sorry servingware to replace what I already owned, because I know that those are going to get broken. So for me, that storing those um, in my house elsewhere from my kitchen is worth the space that they take up, because in the long run, it will save me money. So that's kind of how I look at items. And that's pretty much the basics. Cleaning items and personal care items are something that I mentioned um. In a previous podcast, as far as removing toxins from your home, if you kind of follow that guideline, by the time you get to the end of removing um, heavily toxic chemical items from your home, um, you'll find that a lot of that streamline causes a little bit more minimalism in that regard. I've changed out most of my laundry. I've changed out most of my cleaner. Um, White vinegar has become a staple in our home. Is it my favorite smell? No. Does it get the job done? Yes. So you'll find that again when you start removing the fourteen hundred countertop cleaners and bathroom cleaners and toilet bowl cleaners and all of these things from your home, you just gain more and more space and, in my opinion, more and more freedom and just less clutter and a little bit more mental clarity. I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that it's become almost an addiction. So one of the things that I tell people that are going through this process is it absolutely is never ending. Um, You're always going to be bringing items into your home and you're always going to need to get rid of those items. However, once you do the main items, the main sweeps through your house, it's basically just a maintenance. And you'll kind of start to notice, okay, there's one too many toys going on in there. You grab a handful, you donate them, you sell them, you give them away. And that's pretty much it in the rooms that you've already worked on. The other thing that I hear oftentimes is it's extremely overwhelming. And I will tell you that when I started this process, I felt the exact same way, just because I hadn't reached the point of being able to get rid of sentimental items. I hadn't reached the point of being able to be okay And let go of the guilt of giving away items that I spent money on. Um, I had not reached the point of being okay with getting rid of items that I had held on to because I had loved them so much. You know, it was one of those things in my head where I thought, well, I've kept it this long and I still like it, so I'm going to keep it. I'm not saying that I never do that. Sometimes I will keep an item for, I don't know, I'll set a time limit, three months. If three months I have not used this item, if I've had to clean, you know, move it to clean multiple times, I get rid of it. And, you know, I shared about, you know, if you go on my blog and look, something that I mentioned and that I constantly mention more often than not is I tend to like utilitarian pieces. And what I mean by that is I buy wooden dough bowls that I use to store fruit, veggies, um, and that sort of thing but they're also stackable, and I love them as decor. Same thing with certain yellowware bowls, and um, I got rid of just so many measuring cups and excess ceramic items, but I kept the items that I felt like looked good out on a shelf, but that I could absolutely use. Antique quilts, Um, a lot of people buy them and put them up and never use them. While I think conserving old quilts is amazing we absolutely and actually use the old quilts that I buy Um, that's not to say that if you have a very expensive quilt or a family heirloom that you want to keep that I'm saying use it I'm just saying that's what we do in our home Um, I think that that's kind of where I started how I look at it how it's helped me if you do feel overwhelmed with starting this process, depending on how you work, you can start as small as your vanity in your bathroom. Do that your first day. That's it. Um, then, because you're already in your bathroom, move on to your linen closet. If you have a bunch of old towels or bedding that you don't use, or towel, you know, pillows that you don't have guests and it just takes up space, all of those things. Um, I actually donate mine to the local animal shelters. They're extremely grateful and always in need. So I feel like it served a purpose. um, And I feel like it still gets to serve a purpose where it's not just going in the trash or a landfill, what have you. I know a lot of you are probably going to reference or coming to mind um, Marie Kondo and the art of tidying up. I did read that. And, of course, I watched her show. I do think some of her methods are... Um, not for me, <laughs> and that almost kind of gave me a chuckle like it did now. But if it works for people, then I think that that's amazing. Do I take her recommendations to extreme? Um, I tried it, but you have to be truthful with yourself. That whole folding t shirts a certain way and stacking them in a drawer do I love the way it looks and the ease of picking out a shirt? Absolutely. Am I going to do that after I've washed five loads of laundry and I have 20 t-shirts? Do I need 20 t-shirts? No. Because this is an ongoing process for me, um, before I end this podcast and kind of going against some of what I said, um, t-shirts are my souvenirs. I buy them because I can wear them. I can enjoy them. They're not sitting on a shelf taking up space and there is sentiment attached to them. That being said, I have attended a lot of concerts and traveled quite a bit in my life, and I tend to buy a shirt at every stop along the way. So that has probably, in all honesty, been the last part of my overhaul and decluttering. Those tend to be the hardest for me to let go of, and you'll find There's probably a particular item or handful of items that is the same for you, and that's totally okay. You don't have to completely rid your life. You need to get to a level that makes you comfortable, and you also need to be respectful of those that you live with, your family. I mentioned that it's very difficult for my husband and my daughter to get rid of personal items not necessarily a fair way to look at it but when I was removing certain items from the home that my husband felt like he wanted to still hold on to we do have a shop and a small storage building and I would tell him and he's got a small office outside so typically what I would tell him was if you could please take it to the shop or please take it to your office the irony is he doesn't like clutter in either one of those um He doesn't live in those spaces, but for him, that's what's important. So that's what, for him, he needs to understand whether or not that item is worth holding on to. Because in the home that we live in, for whatever reason, um, it doesn't seem to bother those two that there's way too many personal (laughs) items. So I walk a fine line between... I have to get it out, and this is not my personal possession to decide what to do with. Absolutely, I go through my daughter's room, like I said, when she's not here, and broken toys or McDonald's toys or things that she's gotten at, um, you know, video game arcades where she's won tickets. There's probably been, I don't know, two or three items that she might have asked me about, Um, when she couldn't find them in her room. And I'm very honest with her. And depending on the personality of your kid, um, that's going to be your call. And the mom guilt has set in. There was a specific item that she got for Christmas, I don't know, two years ago. And she maybe played with it five times in those two years, but it was a large item. So it's easily missed. And (laughs) she will occasionally bring it up, you know, just to that little jab to the mom heart of, I sure miss that and wish I had it. But I have to look at it in terms of, again, it was taking up so much space in her already smaller bedroom. And she used it five times a year. Um, What I did was I actually purchased something like a kite or additional artwork to kind of take that place. Not to say that I'm bribing my kid with possessions, because I think um, up until this full sweep of my worldly possessions started taking place. I was guilty of doing that along with, I think, most parents. of uh, My kid's sad. My kid had a bad day. Um, my kid doesn't have what the next door neighbor kids kids have. And so we do that. And I think that it's always with the best of intentions. Same thing with certain items for the home. But once The eye-opening occurs when you start to go through your house and your life. Um, I think it becomes a little bit more apparent that it's not really necessary. I mean, my daughter does have electronics like an iPad, and of course she watches TV. I do set limits on both of those, and I know that there's a lot of um, homesteading households that don't allow that. For my family, it's totally okay. for her, again, with the time limits, I just I set parental controls as well. Those are items that don't take up space, that you can put learning games on that serve a purpose. So those are the things that I keep for her. Um, I think that that's just about it. I'm kind of kind of looking around my house as I'm speaking to you guys to try to get an idea um, of what it is that you can start or finish with. Just start small. Um, just be mindful, and if you're not ready to let go of it, don't let go of it, but remember when you set it back down that that's something to circle back around to, and for me, as I started the process, I would go, I think I initially went through three rooms and realized that I truly hadn't gotten rid of that much, and before I went to the rest of the house, I circled back to those three rooms. And again, as I have finished the process of the whole house, I kind of start it back over again and I have found there is nothing that I've gotten rid of that I've missed or needed, truly nothing. And I can't tell you the amount of stuff that has come out of this house. It's quite literally shocking. And I think that that's the case for most people that start this process and every day I kind of start or add to an existing pile that I have to take to donation, to throw away, um, or to take to my booth, potentially give to family members. Um, In regards to hand-me-downs or sentimental items, I don't give those away without verifying uh, with my sisters or loved ones that they don't want them. If they do, I hold on to them until they can come pick them up. I can ship them, what have you, just out of respect. Again, same thing with personal items in this home that don't belong to me. I hope that this helps you kind of give a basic understanding as to how I finish that process in my own life and where you can start and things to consider when you are decluttering your home. I've used the word minimalism. If you look up the definition or you start to look at videos in regards to that, I think there's people that go very much extreme, and it's just not doable for me. Um, Your definition of minimal or declutter is going to be very different than the next person's. Um, I do still love clothes. I am on a farm, so I do have multiple pairs of boots. Can I get by with one? Probably. Do I choose to keep more? Yes. Yes. So all of that is going to vary from person to person, from house to house, and that's completely okay. Don't follow somebody else's choices. Do what works best for you and in your home and your loved ones. And I hope that you find through this process that you start to live a um, happier, cleaner, less stressful life, and that it benefits you in some way. I always love to talk to you guys on social media, so my blog as well as all my social media pages are under Laura Stewart blog, and thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast today, and I cannot wait to see you on the next one.